Hi, you have reached the podcast of St. Paul's and St. Mary's in Nottingham, the Catholic Church to beat all Catholic churches. Here is the homily from the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today's Gospel includes one of what are called the hard sayings of Jesus. What does he mean that we can't be his followers if we don't hate our father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters? Is not this the same Jesus who taught us to love our neighbours and indeed even our enemies? Is this not the same Jesus who even whilst dying in agony at Golgotha was concerned about his mother and disciples standing at the foot of the cross and took the time in the midst of his suffering, to entrust them into the care of each other? Is this not the same Jesus who is love incarnate? So what does he mean here? Well, many have interpreted this passage as hyperbole, an exaggerated phrase to make a point, like the whole world came out to see Boris Johnson. Although, of course, it wasn't the whole world, but just quite a few. Then, as now, many who claimed to follow Jesus were somewhat lukewarm. We're told in the Gospel that crowds followed him. But Jesus turns round and says to them that being lukewarm simply isn't good enough if we desire to be his disciples. Indeed, in the book of the Apocalypse, Jesus warns the church at Laodicea in the following words. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. A hard saying indeed, but Jesus makes it because he knows that a lukewarm following of him is not the sort of discipleship that leads to salvation. At least if one is cold or opposed to Christ, they can come to that place of repentance. Whereas the lukewarm can convince themselves that they are right with God, when in fact they aren't. So, the hard saying of Jesus is a wake-up call to the lukewarm. It is designed to jolt them awake to the reality of their situation, so that they may too come to repentance and begin to follow Jesus as they should. Lukewarmness is also dangerous because it affects the faith of others. If the people around us are lukewarm in their faith, we begin to wonder, why should we take it so seriously? If the people around us compromise with the moral demands of our faith, why should not we? If the people around us don't bother going to confession, why should I bother? And so on. A recent survey in the US showed that a third of Catholics they surveyed believed that the Eucharist was not the actual body and blood of Christ, but merely a symbol. One of the bishops in the States responded that 100% of Catholics believe that the Eucharist was the body, blood, soul and divinity of Christ. Those that didn't were not, in fact, Catholic. Which rather echoes the comment of the American Catholic novelist Flannery O'Connor when she famously said of the Eucharist, well, if it's only a symbol, then to hell with it. 
If we don't believe it's the body and blood of Christ, why bother being Catholic? What's the point? These are hard responses, but no harder than St. Paul, who warns that the one who receives the Eucharist without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Or Jesus, who after his discourse in John's Gospel on the Eucharist, where he teaches that the food he gives is his very body and blood, allows those who cannot accept the teaching to leave following him rather than compromising his teaching. So here, in today's Gospel, Jesus is warning that to be truly his disciple means putting him above all else, even bonds of family and friends. To put it simply, a half-hearted following of Jesus doesn't work. We can't half put God first. We can't love the Lord our God with half our heart and mind and soul. True love demands passion and devotion, which is quite the opposite to lukewarmness. It's often said that the opposite to love is not hate, but apathy. Because love and hate both are strong passions directed at a person or a thing. Apathy doesn't give a monkey's. But there is another interpretation of this passage, which was common amongst the church fathers, which says that Jesus wasn't merely using hyperbole, exaggeration, to make a point, but actually, when correctly understood, genuinely meant what he said. St. Gregory the Great, who to us in England is a great um, saint, because he was the one, the Pope, who sent St. Augustine, to Canterbury, to, to proclaim the gospel to this land. He commented on this gospel and he said that as well as enjoining us to hate our family, Jesus also enjoins us to hate our own lives as well. This is the key, says St. Gregory. For understanding this passage, he writes, For when we rightly hate our own soul, when we indulge not its carnal desires, when we subdue its appetites and wrestle against its pleasures, that which by being despised is brought to a better condition is as it were loved by hatred. What St Gregory the Great is saying is that it is by learning to hate all those fallen human desires that seek to draw us away from God by taking up our cross and crucifying the sinful desires of the flesh. That is what truly sets us free. We fight and hate and crucify all in us that would take us away from God. To put it in a word, sin. And, he suggests, we hate our family in the same way that we are called to hate ourselves by fighting against all that would lead us and them away from God, by not showing a false love that says sin doesn't really matter, that lukewarmness and compromise doesn't really matter. We hate all that is not of God in ourselves and those we love. Paradoxically, this is true love. I want to finish with a quote from soon-to-be Saint John Henry Newman, who, writing about our battle against sin, said the following, This dreadful evil, 
destroying so large a portion of God's works is sin. My God, such is sin in thy judgment. What is it in the judgment of the world? A very small evil or none at all. In the judgment of the Creator, it is that which has marred his spiritual work. It is a greater evil than though the stars got loose and ran wild in heaven and chaos came again. But man, who is the guilty one, calls it by soft names. He explains it away. The world laughs at it and is indulgent to it. And, as to it deserving eternal punishment, it rises up indignant at the idea and rather than admit it, would deny the God who has said it does. The world thinks sin the same sort of imperfection as impropriety or want of taste or infirmity. O my soul, consider carefully the great difference between the views of sin taken by Almighty God and the world. Which of the two views do you mean to believe? In other words, the challenge of today's gospel is, in truth, and not just in theory, whom do I serve? God or the world? The decision must be made, for there is no compromise between the two.